Welcome to the Law Fluent Podcast Clerkship Series by Isabella from Open Law, where you'll discover the tips and tricks of scoring a clerkship and the culture of top-tier firms across Australia offering fantastic clerkship programs. Today for our introductory episode to the clerkship series, we are joined by the exciting Jeffrey Zhao from Clerkship Ready. Hello, Isabel. How's it going? Thanks Great. How are you me. going? Good, thanks. I'm feeling very excited to talk about this topic, actually. I know, um, you're probably sick of it. You speak about it all the time, but have a no, very exciting I'm opportunity today. Always passionate about it. I've always, you know, really wanted to, you know, really love talking to people and helping people out in terms of how to prepare for clerkship because it's a super stressful process, as you know. Yeah, so how did you start Clerkship Ready? Yeah, so Clerkship Ready was is really a passion project. and was kind of came from all my hardships and experiences going through clerkships. Um, I had to do two rounds, two years of clerkships. In my first kind of year of clerkship, I didn't really get anything in terms of interview offers or any, I didn't really get past the written application stage. Um, and so I found it really stressful and very difficult because I thought it was kind of the only way you could get into a big tier, big top tier law firm, for example. And so, you know, I continued it in my second year. Um, and, you know, it was widely successful in kind of landing interview offers and um, offers to join the firm. Um, and from that, I guess I learned, I learned and I learned a lot of valuable experiences that I, that are actually quite simple and should have been, you know, really picked up, you know, and something you can really do in your first round of clerkship interviews. And so um, I think like Clash of Ready was then born as a result of that passion to really just help others, like make them not go through what I went through, the kind of stress, the kind of um, difficulty of reapplying for clerkships. And so this platform is what Clash of Ready has now become. And I think that's so helpful. We definitely share the same sort of aim and purpose of what we're trying to do with this clerkship series as well. So for our listeners, we're going to jump straight into the structure of the clerkship application process. So I've already filmed with firms prior to filming this episode. So it's actually probably better for me because I know that each firm has slightly varied application process, but they all share the same main features. So we're going to go through the written application, the online testing, the interviews, um, and then actually performing well in your clerkship. So, Jeffrey, how do you research effectively to actually apply for clerkships? Where do we even start? So, I think there are two main ways to really delve into clerkships. Um, the easiest one and the most effective one that everyone should be using is the firm's company website. So, it's not. Um, it's about looking to the website and looking for specific information that you're interested in or you're looking for that makes the firm stand out in your eyes and applying that into your written application questions. Um, the second more effective one is actually going to firm events and actually asking them questions that you um, are interested to know about. So attending any sort of um, cocktail evenings that the firm runs, um, this could be affiliated with any law societies within university. Um, could really help you um, understand what the core strengths the firm think they have and, you know, whether or not it can help you make a decision whether or not you want to actually be join that firm later down the track. 
So in refreshing more effectively, I guess, in the, in the concept of looking at the company website is looking at specific awards, specific, specific deals, or even specific partners or lawyers that work at the firm um, for you to really better understand what the um, firm's core competencies are and what they are particularly strength um, compared to their competitors. So then we move on to our written application. Obviously, this is the first impression, the first thing HR recruiters see. How can someone make a great resume? That, that's a really good. I think it is one of the most important things to now is that written application stage that consists of obviously your resume, your cover letter, and your written application questions. But what makes a great resume is actually quite simple. It just needs to be very concise. It needs to be very clear so that a recruiter can skim through your resume in the span of 10 to even 30 seconds and pick out the most important points. So what you want to avoid, I guess, is a convoluted resume that is very like sentence heavy, that is very hard to read and digest. Um, and so you kind of want to make it more clear and concise as a result. And then moving on to the cover letter, which a lot of the HR reps have said that they pay so much attention to the cover letter and they really want to see your passion for the firm, which is where that research comes in. How can someone make a great cover letter that makes them stand out from every other law student applying for a clerkship? I think one thing you hear a lot is tailor, tailor, tailor your cover letter. But a lot of people, I think a lot of students don't really understand what that means. So tailoring a cover letter not really refer, not really just means referring to what the firm has done. But more importantly, it's linking that to what you value and what your strengths are as an individual. So a firm would only really um, find interest in what, what you've said if you've kind of linked it to what you also value or what you're also interested in. If you can show that you align with their kind of um, their kind of interests and their kind of um, strategy and, go- and goals in terms of where they're going, um, then you know that makes a much better cover letter. So then that all sounds well and good, but what do people get wrong? What is the reason why the application, the written application isn't very strong? Yeah, so part of Plexurity, I've reviewed a lot of responses from students who have been, um, who have sent across the application. And kind of what I realised is the first thing is very generic responses that are not really tailored to any firm. Um, Having specific firm information um, is not just about reading and understanding what the firm has, but also more explicitly stating that in your written application or in your cover letter. So if you understand that a firm has a strong international presence, for example, it's very important for you to reference that explicitly um, rather than just saying a a great international firm is what you're looking for. Um, The second thing, I guess, is not really explaining why this firm information is important to you or any why the firm's strengths are important to you. I kind of alluded that previously to the cover letter question, but it really means, you know, giving that reason in terms of why that aligns with you. If the firm has a strong innovation strategy, for example, why does that align with you? Are you a very creative person? Are you one that, you know, is wanted is someone who's very innovative? If you are, then that kind of makes sense and that kind of line link is what you need. Um, so a lot of the time the students kind of miss that and um, as a result your resume or, and your cover letter just seems a lot less 
structured and a lot less clear in terms of the reasons and why you want to be joining a firm. I think the last one is a bit is not viewing the application as a whole. As you know, the application consists of your resume, your cover letter, and real application questions. However, there's often a lot of overlap between the content of what you could be writing in your written application question versus your cover letter. So if a lot of the questions in the written application cover sections that you might want to be covering in your cover letter, it's about chopping and changing your response so that you can, you don't, you're not repeating yourself over and over again. Um, and that you are adding a new lens every time you um, talk about your any part of that written application, talk about yourself in here. That's a really good point. I didn't even think about that. Obviously, yeah, it shows a very um I guess, narrow look into who you are as a person if you're always repeating, you know, the same job or the same one skill across everything. That's right. I guess it's all about standing out and showing as much as you can. And so you want to, don't want to limit yourself by keep repeating um, again and again, you know, your kind of what you think are your key skills. Um, It's about being a bit more diverse than that, to being People want to know who you are, not just in the law space, but what else you do outside that space. So, you know, where it be referencing examples or referencing experiences, it's good to have a variety of stuff. And then moving on to online testing, which is everyone's number one concern. Everyone always says, how do I, how do I succeed with psychometric testing? What is it? Because it sounds scary. A lot of people haven't done it before. What are your tips? So very simply, psychometric testing is just any any sort of online testing that tests your certain key traits that a firm perhaps could be looking for. But I think if you've kind of spoken with the other firms, you kind of understand that it's not about being the best at psychometric testing. It's just about being better than average. So what what that really means, I guess, is just doing a good enough job um, and answering um, a right enough amount of questions for you to kind of pass as an applicant. Um, it's not as kind of as stressful as you as a lot of students place place on top of it, meaning that you know you don't really need to be scoring 100 or you know what you perceive as as 100 because that might not be the right answer, for example. Um, but preparing for psychometric testing is actually very simple. It's about firstly it's about practice. Um, how you can actually do that is right before they send when they send a link of the um, platform or the testing that they that they use. You can actually go online and search for any practice questions relevant to that specific testing. If, for example, if they have Valian type testing or if they have um, Cognito, Cognitive type testing, um, you know, looking for examples online can help you or looking for even for that YouTube clips that the type of questions that might be asked can help you really just understand, you know, what to be expecting on that day. Um, so that's, I think, a really great start. Um, the other thing is just being to realize that it is a test and so it's great to be in a testing environment so that just means no distractions um, you have all the you have a stable internet connection um, you know you're in a place where you can really just focus and get as much as you can can done to the best of your ability you've made it sound a lot more simple than a lot of students perceive it to be that's right it is it's, it's not as um, as I said it's not as something you need to put in a very high kind of standard you just need to do well enough to kind of go through and I think one of the firms mentioned um they accept a pass in the psychometric test as being 
average and above average. So it's it ends up being 70% of applicants anyway. So it's not a really slim proportion of who actually, I guess, passes that, which is, That's I think, right. good to hear. That's right. And then moving to the interviews. So what happens after the written applications? So we kind of, I'm sure you've kind of gone through it previously, but um, when you complete the written application and your psychometric testing, you get invite to your first interview. Either sometimes a cocktail evening or information evening either precedes um, or comes after that kind of first interview stage. And that kind of is an in, it's not really a testing. It's just for you to get as much information as you can relevant to your interviews. There are normally for a lot of firms, two stages of interviews. Um, and that kind of is the main kind of testing and assessment. Um, other firms, obviously, as you know, would have um, other type of assessments, such as um, assessment days, um, but that, you know, kind of differs between different firms. And so then with these cocktail and networking events, how can you network efficiently and make yourself stand out across everyone else that's at the event? So I have not as much of an opinion about standing out at, at a cocktail evening. I think it's less about standing out. It's more about getting all the information that you need for you to be properly prepared for an interview. I think for, for a lot of people like myself, standing out in an interview, standing out in a cocktail evening is very difficult. And, you know, there are wildly unexpected ways you can create connections with partners that really depend on their shared interests or, you know, other things that they want to be talking about on the night. So rather than really focusing on impressing, it's more about gathering information. And that's what I've told a lot of the people that I've spoken to. Um, at the, the cocktail evening isn't really assessed. They don't look at you as an individual and see how, you know, how much of a network that you're, you're build, for example. It's more about you just getting all the information that you need, for example. Um, in order to prepare, when I wanted to prepare for my interviews and my first stage of interviews, what I did was um, I, when I attended these cocktail evenings, I asked the questions that I expected my, um, my interviewers to ask myself. Um, the reason, I guess, is just to understand what other people thought about the firm, what other people thought, what their strengths were, I guess. And, you know, perhaps how you could improve or tell your response a bit more so that um, it's a bit better for the interview. And then moving on from that, how do you ace your interview? Okay, I guess, like, I've written a couple, uh, two articles, I guess, on this, and it's a quite lengthy process. Um, but to break, really break it down, there is the preparation phase, which is, you know, about really understanding your application thoroughly. You need to, need to understand that some firms will ask you line by line what your resume um, experiences are. So you need to be prepared, I guess, to really um, understand whatever you've done and be able to bring out experiences that could help answer any questions that a lawyer or an inter interviewer would have. So preparing for that, um, so really looking at your written application responses as well, and even asking yourself that you understand everything that's kind of being said or that you've kind of written. Um, this is because interviewers could ask you questions based on what your written application responses are. So you know, being prepared for that is also super important. Next section is about preparing questions. And I think a big part of that is just understanding, um, preparing insightful questions that could help um, elicit nice conversations between you and the interviewers. 
So the first stage is the biggest stage is, is the interview preparation. What comes right after actually is, you know, how to, um, how to perform well on the day. And so that kind of aspect I coined as, you know, having a hustle mentality. And what that really means is, you know, whilst you're being very conversational and very polite in your interview, you're looking at every opportunity and every question as an opportunity for you to bring out, about, bring out more about yourself. Um, whether that is talking about more diverse experiences when they ask certain behavioral questions so that they can understand that you've been through a lot, not just, you know, having legal experience or other kind of experience um, to, you know, really actively, actively listening to what the interviewer has to say and responding to what is kind of being said. Once, once they answer a question that you have, you know, um, really understanding what they've said and building on on top of that is an example of what you mean by being a hustler. So just look at every kind of opportunity interview. Remember that it is an assessment. And so, you know, looking at every kind of question that they ask as a way for you to input more information about yourself um, is kind of the last, the two tips that I will have for ACE interviews. And what types of questions can you ask at the end? You know, when they give you the daunting question, do you have any questions for us? What do you ask them? Obviously, it should match with your research, but do you have any examples? I think the questions really differ towards what you're interested in. Um, for example, um, you know, if you're particularly interested in innovation in general, um, looking at the firm's innovation strategy and asking questions based on that could really show that you are someone who really aligns with that firm, for example. Um, you know, if you're asking, even if you're asking simple questions, such as um, understanding what um, the partner's roles are in, certain, in a certain place, if you have any prior experience, you know, inputting your experience first before asking those questions, show that, again, you know, there's a reason why you're interested in this area. And then, obviously, something that we have to deal with in our current COVID age what do you do with online video interviews? How are they different to face-to-face -face interviews? So online interviews, you know, they split into two types of interviews. There's video assessment interviews, which are um, prompted by the computer and you're just responding to a blank screen versus like an actual video interview where, you know, you get to speak to people, uh, speak to partners and speak to HR who are actually on screen. For online interviews, um, inter in addition to what we've kind of talked about in acing your um, in-person interview, what, um, there are very, I guess, very simple things that you can really do um, to prepare yourself for these kind of situations. Firstly, practicing in front of a camera is very different to speaking in person. And so, you know, you need to be um, getting yourself familiar with speaking directly to a camera or to an interface because it could be very daunting at first. Other simple things are, re are related to, you know, keeping your background very, very plain and well lit. Um, you know, it's about elevating your elevating your computer so that the camera is at your eye level. Um, simple stuff like that would help improve the kind of conversation in terms of um, it's less awkward in that sense. I think the last thing is with video interviews, unlike normal interviews, you can actually bring notes, which is great for you to kind of um, glance at if you're ever stuck in any kind of question. That being said, you know, don't rely too heavily on notes. Um, eye contact is still a big thing, even in video interviews. And so, you know, um, take that with a grain of salt, I guess.
And then, so you've gotten the clerkship, you're very happy. How do you perform well in your clerkship to secure a graduate offer? Because that's obviously the next thing you're thinking about. Mm, that's right. I guess, like, if you made it to the, if you made it to a clerkship, congratulations. You know, it's, you know, um, conversion from a clerkship to a graduate, you know, is quite high. However, uh, there are obviously instances there where you can actually stand out or be an even better um, clerk. I guess the kind of things you can do is first thing, one of the big, biggest things that a lot of partners and a lot of lawyers talk about is they rely on you for attention to detail. So, you know, being re- reading, you know, your emails that you draft, reading things that you proofread over and over again um, in, would help you stand out as a, as a candidate. So, you know, when I was drafting emails, for example, uh, draft emails to to my lawyers, you know, I would read my emails thrice or even, you know, four times over just to make sure I've got all the grammar mistakes checked. I've got all the simple things kind of pat down because that really makes you stand out as a very competent person who really understands um, and is able to deliver at a very high level. The next thing is about being really um, managing your time when it comes to doing and dele- being delegated tasks. As a graduate, you might, as a clerk, you might get a lot of work from a lot of different people. So managing expectations and being very open and, and speaking to them about your deadlines would help you um, manage your time better, keep you less stressed, but also make sure that everyone else is happy in terms of both your lawyers and your clients. Um, the last thing I guess is the most is the I guess the simplest thing is being very enthusiastic and social. Um, it's not something that is actually required. However, you know, being having a can-do attitude is something that is looked very favorably upon um, by all the other lawyers because it means that you're you know you're interested in what what is being done. You know, you're passionate about the space and you're always willing and ready to contribute. Having that kind of you know personality. Um, or having that kind of attitude is something that is very looked looked very favorably upon. Something you should definitely be applying. And from what I've gathered from um, the firm episodes that are coming up after this one, um, a lot of HR representatives have said that their collaboration and their partners are really easygoing. And if you ever have a question, you can just go to them. So I think a lot of it's about you know reaching out as well if you need help. Um, and just always being willing to sort of participate and learn something new. And perhaps if you haven't done it before, just give it a go. If you need help, you can ask for it. Um, and with a lot of firms getting their graduates from their clerkship program, I think that's also what they're looking for, someone who's willing to work as a team and ask for help when they need it and be really willing and, as you said, ambitious and be, like, eager to try something new and to get involved in challenges and team things as well. That's exactly right. Well, thank you so much, Jeffrey, for joining for today's episode. It was so valuable. No, no problem. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me again. Yeah. So you can take a look at um, Clarkship Ready's website at clerkshipready.com. Um, Jeffrey has a bunch of services um, for written applications, so resume review, cover letter checks and packages, as well as interview preparation, such as interview consultations, mock interviews and packages with that as well. I know Clarkship Ready is also on LinkedIn. Do you have an Instagram? I'm not sure. We do have an Instagram as well. There we go. Follow them on Instagram as well. Um, It's really good because 
it's an actual student and who has gone through the clerkship process and is now a lawyer. So it's really good to, I guess, have that advice straight from someone who's been through it. So you actually know the ins and the outs, and I'm sure you deal with clerks all the time in your job now as a lawyer. So you get to see sort of how your advice plays out with actual students. And you can go on to openlaw.org.au. Jade has um, a free legal research training and a free ebook for students. You can get free Jade Professional while you're a student. So if you are a clerk and you want to brush up on your legal research skills, which I would highly advise, it's very important um, during a clerkship, you can visit um, Open Law and you can grab free J Professional for use while you're doing your clerkship and while you're finishing off your law degree. And you can also get a free ebook that will help you navigate through the features and with problem-based solutions to help you actually solve tasks that instructing solicitors or partners might actually give you to do. So thank you so much, Jeffrey. I'm really excited to put this out for our students and I'm sure they're absolutely going to learn so much and love it. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for tuning into today's clerkship episode. Be sure to follow us on social media at The Law Font Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and at Open Law on LinkedIn and Twitter to stay up to date with clerkship information and tips. Keep listening on your favorite streaming services, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And hit subscribe so you don't miss any new clerkship episodes. Leave a review if you enjoy the episode. And if you'd like to contact me, you can email icarazzi, I-C-A-R-R-O-Z-I, at openlaw.com.au. And don't forget to head over to openlaw.org.au to learn more, stay up to date, and become law fluent. Speak to you next time.